Welcome to Phone Messages, episode 148, White Bone Demon. My name is Paul Mason Foch. This week, I play message number six from Benjamin Evans. It comes from the winter of 1990 and is 10 seconds long. Here we go. Benjamin Evans, 515, White Bone Demon. What I was hearing was Benjamin Evans, 515, White Bone Demon. What do you think the significance of that is? I think it's a character from uh, Kung Fu Panda, but that movie hadn't come out for another 20 or 30 years. The other thing I found is a book on Madame Mao, the White Bone Demon. Oh, yeah. By Ross Terrell. So I think all of these things that they're calling Madame Mao White Bone Demon is referring back to that traditional Chinese folklore. And the same thing with Kung Fu Pandas using the same name from the same source. Well, would you have been reading a book on Madame Mao at this time? I don't think so. Uh, were you involved in any, like, any kind of political activism while you were at uh, Chicago? I joined at the University of Chicago chapter of the Democratic Socialists of America. We had meetings, I think, every week. One thing I remember was George H.W. Bush, the older Bush, was campaigning for president. And we went down to southern Illinois to protest. And we had brought all these signs supporting, you know, a woman's right to choose, rights to abortion, LGBTQ rights, anti-U.S. imperialism, different things like that. And they wouldn't let us bring... The, you know, we had the sign, like cardboard signs on like little sticks, and they would not let us uh, bring the, the sticks into the auditorium. So we just brought our cardboard signs. And um, we kind of like kept it on the down low. We kind of went in there. We went to the, the very center of the room. And then we uh, started holding up our signs and, and chanting and, and shouting and um we were completely surrounded. There were only about six or seven of us, and um, people were just screaming at us. I remember one woman had a little infant, and she held up the baby and kind of shook it in their faces and was like, you want to kill my baby? Wow. So this would probably have been... It was the fall of 88, yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Did DSA endorse a presidential candidate? In... Yeah, like I said, it was, the slogan was Duke to you puke. And we were out there in Chicago handing out flyers and stuff for uh, Dukakis. It wasn't an endorsement. It was like, this is the lesser of two evils, and H.W. Bush is really bad. Did you have any, like, guest speakers or anybody that came? or We had a great debate with the libertarians. So it was Michael Eric Dyson and John Stevenson. And they were on the DSA side, and I can't remember who was on the libertarian side, but I just remember, like, DSA, for whatever reason, ended up with these two very large, you know, male people debating. And I think John Stevenson was, like, a former, like, Texas football player. 
turned sociologist. And uh, I just remember, like, we just crushed them. Did a lot of people turn out for that debate? Yeah, it was packed. When I was at the University of Chicago in the 1980s, it had a reputation for being a bastion of conservatism. The law school produced Robert Bork and Anthony Scalia, and the Chicago School of Economics inspired the austerity policies of Ronald Reagan at the national level and the International Monetary Fund on the global stage. The most famous figure of this school was Milton Friedman, whose 1962 bestseller, Capitalism and Freedom, became a libertarian Bible. But Chicago had plenty of left-leaning ideas streaming through its campus as well. In the fall of 1985, my third year in the college, the Chicago Maroon published a list of student organizations that included not just the Democratic Socialists of America, but also the International Socialist Organization, as well as several anti-apartheid, human rights, and peace-oriented groups. The origins of the DSA can be traced to a 1972 split in the Socialist Party of America into the Social Democrats USA and the Democratic Socialist Organizing Committee. The latter group was led by Barbara Ehrenreich and Michael Harrington, a UChicago alum. Throughout the 70s, the DSOC had a presence on the Chicago campus, and Harrington was a frequent speaker there. In 1982, the DSOC merged with the New American Movement, another leftist group which was very active on the UFC quads during the 70s. The new group became the Democratic Socialists of America. Today, there is a revived interest in democratic socialism among young people, in large part thanks to a not-so-young Bernie Sanders. Sanders cut his political teeth in the early 60s while he was a student at the University of Chicago, where he protested racial segregation in university housing and joined the Young People's Socialist League. My own political conversion came not through campus activism, but from a class on modern Western civilization taught by Professor Peter Novick. In the final days of the course, he had us read essays by Irving Kristol and Michael Walzer as representative of contemporary views from right and left on the political spectrum. In the words of Ben... Walzer crushed it, and suddenly, in my third year of college, I rejected the conservative values of my Republican father and embraced democratic socialism. It was my road to Damascus moment. If you want to share a conversion story, please contact me through my website, pfoch.com. That's P-F-O-T-S-C-H dot com. Many thanks to Ben for his podcast participation. And thank you for listening. 
talk to you next week.